The entire Constitution of the United States of America depends on these three words. Let's talk about them. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is the Spirit of Leading Podcast. I'm a proud native-born citizen of the United States of America, but I'm afraid most of my fellow citizens have a misconception about many of the symbols and trappings of citizenship and patriotism. In this episode of the Spirit of Leading podcast, I want to focus on the preamble to our U.S. Constitution. Why? Because it's easy to hype the USA and still lose sight of the foundational principles that make this country unlike any other country in the world. The preamble sets the tone for how we should think and hopefully feel about our nation and why it's been the shining city on a hill for so many around the world. The preamble to the Constitution of the United States of America reads this way. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. In our 21st century world of instant global communication, I think we lose sight of the fact that it took a while and a lot of compromise to actually hash out the new Constitution. Why did the early leaders think that we needed a Constitution? Simply, the loose confederation that existed immediately after independence wasn't working for the group as a whole. So, we needed what the preamble calls a more perfect union. At first, they thought they could fix what they already had, but soon they realized they needed a whole new approach. Throughout the spring and summer of 1787, the 55 delegates to the Constitutional Convention debated the structure of a new government. And by September, they had hammered out a proposal that they believed had a chance of ratification. It included three branches of government to provide a checks and balances arrangement among the co-equal branches. And to appease the southern states, they left slavery in place and agreed not to interfere with it for a decade. They knew it wasn't perfect, but it worked for their time. Nine months later, enough states had ratified the document so it could take effect. And then another nine months later, the new constitution actually took effect. But they weren't done. Some states opposed the Constitution as written because it did not protect certain rights for the states and basic political rights that were not specifically guaranteed, such as the freedom of speech, the freedom of the press, the freedom of religion, due process under the law, and other rights and freedoms. Ultimately, they came up with 12 amendments that were offered to the states, and in the end, 10 of those amendments were actually adopted by the states, and these became our first 10 amendments, and we know them as the Bill of Rights. And even at that, the Constitution was not perfect in the minds of many. Over the years, additional amendments have been offered and approved that further guaranteed freedoms and improved certain functions of government. The foundational concept of our government is that, as President Abraham Lincoln said in the Gettysburg Address, of the people, by the people, 
for the people. And it's premised on the idea that all men are created equal and certain basic freedoms are unalienable. And among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, it's my opinion that the most important words of our Constitution are the first three. We, the people. We celebrate the concept of a democracy. All the time we're talking about what a great democracy we have. And in a democratic form of government, the citizens, we, the people, get to participate either directly or indirectly in how the government runs, how it's operated. So we elect our officials. The United States of America is a particular form of that democracy. There's lots of forms of democracy, but we are one in particular. We are basically a representative democracy in which we, the people, elect representatives who then act on our behalf. Furthermore, the United States is known in political terminology as a liberal democracy, which simply means we protect individual liberty and property through the rule of law. This principle holds true regardless of the level at which we're talking. It could be at the municipal or city level, the state level, or even the national level. Specifically, at the national level, we are what's called a federal republic. That means we govern our country by elected representatives and an elected chief executive or president, rather than being ruled by a monarch, king or queen. All our elected leaders are directly accountable to we, the people. That's the way our country is set up to operate. And the preamble reflects an ideal. The articles of the Constitution lay out the process by which we're supposed to operate. And our amendments correct historical practice to bring the reality more in line with the spirit of the Constitution or the principles that I've been talking about. So implicit in that is the belief that all the people have equal protection under the law. This principle, when practiced equally, will help to establish justice. Justice is to be for all, not just for those who can afford legal representation. Believe it or not, the legal system was not and is not intended to be corrupted by making it a market-driven process where those who can afford to pay receive an extra measure of protection, and those who cannot afford to pay are more vulnerable. And honestly, we're still kind of working on that one. We live in a country that incarcerates or imprisons more people per capita than any other nation in the world. And here in Oklahoma, we live in a state that incarcerates per capita more people than any other state in the nation. So I guess by rule of logic, here in Oklahoma, we incarcerate more people per capita than any other place in the whole world. It's easier to be imprisoned in Oklahoma than it is in any other place in the world. So I guess we're still working on that one. And how do we promote the common welfare and assure the blessings of liberty? Well, go back to the preamble. We, the people, means that no one religion should take precedence over any other, even if it is the most popular or the most predominant religion practiced in the country. All religions are protected equally. And we, the people, means no one race or ethnic group is to be granted more or less status than the others. We the people is colorblind. We the people means that no gender is to be treated less than the other, but we're working hard to make gender equality a reality. We the people means that no social or economic group is to have more protection or influence at the ballot box 
in the courts of justice or the halls of Congress than the others. So when the rights and guarantees of the Constitution are denied to the least of our citizens, well, to me, that means the moral integrity of these ideals is diminished for all our citizens. We can look to all these ideals and see that more than 220 years after the ratification of our Declaration of Independence that, you know, we've still got work to do. But every generation must hold itself accountable anew. And each generation has a responsibility to teach those coming up the foundational principles and the basic tenets of our government. And in this, sadly, we have become lax to the point of growing up generations that are just completely ignorant of the basic functional knowledge of our most critical institutions. What are we to do now? I believe we can rededicate ourselves. We can rededicate ourselves to the principles of our Constitution that we, the people, must be as diligent to preserving our form of government and the principles of our country as were our forefathers who declared independence from the repressive British monarchy in the first place. The Declaration of Independence concludes with this sentence. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. We proudly shout USA, USA, USA at all the sporting events. Now, let's do the work of knowing what that means. And it begins with we the people, you and I, doing our part to understand how our government operates and to fully engage as individual citizens who give more than lip service to the republic for which our flag stands. And it stands for liberty and justice for all. For we, the people. Well, that's it for this installment of the Spirit of Leading podcast. Thanks for listening. I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone who demonstrates the spirit of leading at work and in the community. Be watching for the next installment of the Spirit of Leading podcast. Sign up for the podcast and you'll receive notifications when the next installment is published. You'll also receive links to my weekly empowering thoughts. Until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day. Encourage the spirit, enliven the heart, enlighten the mind, and enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters. <music>